Welcome to Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the show where we watch and review and discuss every horror movie on Netflix. Back again, it's me, Chris, and I'm here as always with Patrick. Hello. And Steven. Hello, everybody. And joining us again, our very special guest, uh, perennial uh, contender, perennial contributor, Allison with a Y. It is so good to be back, y'all. Oh, so great to have you back. And today we're going to be talking about Till Death, a relatively recent movie that just dropped on Netflix not too long ago. But before we get into that, as always, we like to talk about what else we've been watching, consuming, reading, etc. from the horror world. So um, what's going on, guys? What y'all been up to? I've been up to nothing. At least Patrick and I have been up to uh, one thing that we share in common. I don't know if Allison saw X with you. Oh, no. Um, Did not. But, uh, yeah, we we saw the new Ty West film, X, about a, a set in the late 70s, about a, a group of aspiring porn filmmakers renting a very sketchy guest house in the middle of nowhere. Mm. Patrick, what did you think? We haven't had a chance to talk much about it. I loved it. It was the uh, the Texas Chainsaw uh, reboot that we deserved out of oh, that yeah. fucking shitty ass Netflix thing we watched a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah, it's wonderful. It's my favorite Ty West that I've seen so far. Um, very entertaining, very gory, big 80s uh, Toby Hooper vibes. And I found it weirdly thematically resonant too there's mm-hmm. some really interesting stuff in there about sex and and how society perceives sex and it yeah there was a lot more going on than i anticipated while also just being a fucking banger of a slasher movie and it it's yeah it, there's a surprising emotional element to it as well that really mm-hmm. fucked with me after i would say if 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 somehow you haven't seen the trailer to this, uh, just go out and watch it if it sounds interesting to you. Because I went back and watched the trailer after I saw the movie. And surprisingly, it really does show you everything that happens in yeah. the movie. It just doesn't have the con- the wider context of the you know the themes and, and the emotional resonance. Um, I don't really watch trailers much anymore. And I was so glad that that was the case with this. Like, I barely, all I really knew about it going in was the synopsis. And I'm so glad that was the case because fucking everything is in the trailer. And without spoilers, I'm very excited that we're getting more from this universe very soon, apparently. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Very excited about that as well. That's all I've watched horror wise. Allison Patrick, you guys have anything else? Yeah. Uh, Patrick got a couple horror movies that we watched that were really, really good. Well, yeah, they were really good. Um, I enjoyed them. Uh, Caveat was mm-hmm. the first one, and that was like, was it? Was it an Irish film? I believe yes. so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In Ireland, where they they pay people to make really fucking good movies, <laughs> I think it, we it all need to like, move there. <laughs> the it was so interesting i thought it was like a pretty unique plot like i haven't seen anything exactly like that before you know like at least i i cared about the in the very least like the main character the protagonist quite a bit which is sometimes lacking in horror movies and i thought that 
that character was well fleshed out. And I don't know, it was like wild at times. And I was so stressed at times, right, Patrick? Like mm. I, <laughs> I like there were times where I couldn't look because I was like so afraid of like what I was going to see <laughs> if I looked at like at the screen. Um, yeah. It was like making my heart pound, um, which is, I mean, I'm a pretty sensitive person and like a really engaged audience member, but it feels pretty rare these days for me to find a movie that like makes my heart like kind of like pound like that. And like gives me so much anxiety that I'm like, I can't, I can't even watch this right now. You know, I wanted to like quit a couple times, but I was really enjoying it too. So yeah, I liked that one. I told Chris it has big James Wan energy. I, I think he would enjoy it. There's definitely some James Wan moments in caveat. Like a, um, like a, a finely tuned, James Wan. I feel like yeah. it's not as more restrained. Ele- elevated James Wan. Elevated James <laughs> Wan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I that seems appropriate. We also- you guys also watched Censor together, right? Yeah. What did you think of that? I, I yep. thought that was a banger. That was maybe one of the best horror. Like I would have to put that in my my top ten list. Ooh, at this of all point. time. Yeah. That wow. like because I just I really it, it was not what I was expecting. I feel like generally speaking, I can like anticipate the beats really well in most horror movies at this point. And I didn't see it ending where it ended. (laughs) uh, It was a wild, really fun ride. What are your thoughts, Patrick? I I loved censor as well. And I, we should, I'll throw in a quick synopsis of each, like a one sentence summary of each of these. So caveat is about a rather desperate man who is hired to watch a girl who's traumatized by the recent death of her father. The caveat, titular caveat being that he is strapped into a harness where he can only walk around certain areas of this house. So he's very restrained in his movement and shit goes sideways from there. Censor is about a a British uh, film censor in, I want to say the 80s in the era of the video nasties, Mm -hmm. um, who's very motivated uh, to do her job because uh, her sister mysteriously disappeared uh, back in the day. And she's convinced that uh, she might be able to prevent further such uh, disappearances um, by protecting society from all the terrible content in the video nasties. And it's, Oh my God, it's so fucking good. It's just so well written and acted and just takes a wild left turn in the last half hour um, the the final couple minutes of this film, just I just had the fucking prickles all over my back and my shoulders, which is for me like I'm the getting number them now one. Hearing you talk about it, it's, <laughs> that's the number one measure of me enjoying and truly being unsettled by a film. So, yes, big big props to censor. I've I've just been tearing through horror in general lately. I've been going through like a lot of picks from Faculty of Horror's um, favorite films of 2021, which was what brought me to Caveat and Censor. Um, Watched Psycho Goreman, which was a wild ride, unlike anything I've ever seen. I watched Fresh, which Steven talked about last time. Wasn't as hot on that one, I gotta say. Rewatched Hereditary, actually, the other day. Hereditary. I've been wanting to to do that one for a while. I actually liked it a lot better than I did the first time around, and a lot more of it clicked to me, but goddamn that fucking party scene. I just, like, as the party scene progressed, I just wanted to turn the fucking movie off. I was like, I can't subject myself to this again. 
And, and, and lastly, I'll throw in as well, also recently read uh, Octavia Butler's final novel, Fledgling, which is a really, really unique take, unlike anything I've ever seen on vampire mythology, and would highly recommend that for the way it plays with themes of uh, race and power and family structure and polyamory. Really, really interesting book. Loved that. So that's my gigantic fucking horror catch-up dump. Chris, do you have anything to share? No, I don't know where you guys find the time. I've been busy as hell the last two weeks. I have hardly, hardly had a moment to myself. Uh, and so, no, I haven't done anything horror-related except live in my own real-life horrors that we don't have to get into. Well, yeah, and you, watching this week's have. movie, hopefully. Yes, I did watch this week's movie. I did do that. I did do my homework. <laughs> Very good. And that right. was nice. That was fun. So, I guess we should get into it. Let's, uh, let's get into the niceness and the funness of yeah. Till Death. Oh, Till so nice. So fun. It is a, it is a nice <laughs> movie. It's like quite a romp, this movie. Mm-hmm. Till Death. Uh, you know, it's one of those one of those simple concept movies. It's easy to explain. And it's... it's. I did not know... I mean, it's in the synopsis. I did not... As always, I, I tend not to read the synopses before I go into these movies if I can help it. So, I didn't know what this was about. All I knew was really the poster artwork and I'd heard some buzz about it when it first came out. I know a lot of people were excited about the uh, apparent return of Megan Fox to to some sort of prominence after being uh, sort of uh, some say uh, unfairly maligned and dismissed in the 2000s. Are there so, some who say that? Yes, there are. <laughs> yes, there are. <laughs> Interesting. Didn't know there was. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, didn't know that that was a contingent. Oh no, it's 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 a, it's a thing. I mean, um, uh, well, Jennifer's huh. body in particular has become like a cult classic oh, in horror sure. lately. Yeah, um, that that was really dismissed at the time, and there's been a lot of conversation mm. about how Megan Fox as an actress was kind of dismissed because she was over sexualized by Michael Bay, um, and people just kind of saw her as a vapid hottie. Um, and, and not some of any real acting ability. Um, I won't, this movie, I'm not sure is the best showcase for any acting ability she might have, but we'll get into that later. It's a movie about a woman, uh, played by Megan Fox, who, uh, is taken away to a winter, uh, to a, to a lakeside cabin in the middle of winter, uh, by her husband who she has a very fraught relationship with and it seems like he's trying to rekindle their relationship somehow but the surprise is and this almost feels like a spoiler to me but again it's the yeah. whole premise of the movie so i guess we can just say it <laughs> i mean it happens a half hour in and it is shocking so i mean like if you have any curiosity yeah. about this and want to be unspoiled like just go watch the movie because there's like this this is shocking it's a twist like but it's the first act twist basically Yes, um, that's good. I will second that. If, if you're curious about the movie, you might just want to watch it because it, the most interesting thing was this surprise at the beginning of the movie, which, again, it's in the synopsis, but I did not know. It was a it was a great moment for me. Basically, she wakes up in the fiance or the husband has uh, handcuffed himself to her and he shoots himself in the head he, and he's dead. And now our hero is stuck in this frozen cabin or, or, or cold cabin in a frozen landscape uh, in the middle of nowhere handcuffed to a corpse and she has to figure out she's trying to basically you know escape her situation um and the man has like much like jigsaw he has gone through the house and he has removed all sharp implements and anything that could you know 
break the chain. And so that's that's this predicament our hero finds herself in. There's also a subplot which uh, is sort of relevant, um, especially later on, where our hero is a, a survivor of a, I guess, random stabbing. Uh, the kind of random stabbing that happens from time to time. And so she's a little bit traumatized by that. Um, and she kind of has the uh, you know, nightmares of, of her assailant, you know, returning to, to kill her or something like that. Sort of, you know, PTSD sort of thing going on. Uh, but that's your movie till death. Love a movie with a DA in it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it really it's like a, it really like a classic, a like nineties, like, like thriller thing, you know, like those, sleazy, yeah. yeah, you know, like legal thrillers and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I feel like, uh, film and television has led me to believe that like a quarter of the population are DAs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, this also does that thing that we've seen in other movies where it's like a defense attorney, uh, it has, has prejudice against defense attorneys. Right. And I meant to actually rewatch this, but like this guy was a prosecutor and now he's a defense attorney. And I guess somehow he's actually involved with the case of the stabber mm-hmm. that stabbed his wife. But on from the defense side, I think. <laughs> so, yeah, like, I mean, we basically, you know, I, I, it's it, this was an interesting companion piece to me since we just did Hush last time, because yeah, yeah. you again have a woman in a house largely left to her own devices for the the vast majority of the running time and just kind of doing cat and mouse shit because eventually the the husband also arranged basically for a couple of thugs, including someone who stabbed and traumatized and attempted to rob Megan Fox back in the day to go fuck her up. So it, it was, it was, it was interesting just to have this back to back with hush because they're so similar. Yeah. I thought about hush a lot. And uh, I also thought about misery a lot, which I also thought about when I watched hush, um, just kind of these movies that are about a character with a very simple, specific problem that they have to overcome. Mm -hmm. And you see them writhe around and try to solve the problem through their wits. Um, the thing that bothered me about this movie in comparison to Hush and especially in comparison to Misery is two things. It's my, my problem is twofold. There was a, first of all, you have a simple problem and then halfway through the movie, it complicates that with like excess stuff that we don't need. In my opinion, it's like they didn't think the premise of, Oh, she's chained to a corpse in the wilderness was had enough legs. So they had to introduce other elements to like, keep the plot moving, keep the action up. And next thing you know, we're dealing with people like, you know, criminals arguing over a diamond heist and stuff that I don't really need in this movie. The other thing is that I did not really believe that it would be that hard for her to break free from this dead guy. I was, like, I was like, just break his thumb. No, just get, find a piece of glass and deglove yourself. We've seen this before. <laughs> <laughs> Easy peasy. <laughs> I'm with you, though, Chris. It really didn't seem that difficult. But then there's also, like, a very quickly, this becomes a time crunch, right? Um, so, like, I don't know. I, I believed that it was uh, maybe more difficult than it appeared. Yeah, I... I um you know, when the initial problem arised, I was like, oh, okay, well, she has access to fresh water, so she can survive for a few weeks without food. And eventually, by then, people are going to understand that these people have gone missing. 
they probably are going to be aware that there is a lake house somewhere and they would go there looking for them eventually, you know, um, especially since there's like a supposedly people like we're at the house to get it set up um, for this whole thing. So I was like, Oh, she'll be fine. All she has to do is like keep drinking water and, you know, just like try to not lose her sanity completely. But then, and just like wait it out until she gets rescued. But yeah, then it becomes a Coen Brothers simple. movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because her husband has been thorough in his preparations for all this. You know, listener, if you haven't seen the movie, you may think, oh, well, they drove there. Why doesn't she just drive out? Well, he siphoned all the gas out of the car over the night. Why doesn't she just call for help? He threw her phone in a fucking, like, vase. Uh, you know, do they have a landline? No, of course, he cut the landline. He has been extremely thorough in leaving her with really no out from this situation. He's been planning this for years. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently. And I just wanted to see like the separate film about how, all his preparations the night, the night before. before. I was like, motherfucker <laughs> was, was busy. He did not sleep before this went down. Just He's like Santa Claus, you know, when the kids go to sleep. You know? <laughs> yeah. Just wait till Till Death 2, Till Death 3, Till Death 4, where you find out about all his apprentices and you see them setting all the traps. <laughs> Whatever. But no, I was like, just break this guy's arm off, like fucking put it through the railing on the stairs and jump on it. You're going to break the arm. Sure. Then then you're then go home. I mean, but. just break the thumb. Just break mm-hmm. his thumb. Like, just break it's thumb. that simple. Yeah. And especially with Gerald's game, we've seen the situation before. So and um, but I mean, to be fair, she ends up like more or less coming to that solution fairly she does early yeah but she movie. still has to find like a, a heavy and like bladed implement yeah like i yeah. And, and she almost doesn't find it so so i i, I just it, here's my thing like i i did i did enjoy the movie and i thought it was very clever uh, an original setup but i just didn't believe in it enough for it to really immerse me in the drama it was i was always frustrated so i can well, relate get it, get to that well, I don't think the I don't think the movie really hinges on like her uh, successfully getting off getting out of the handcuffs or getting the handcuff off the husband. Like I thought that added like an interesting challenge for her that she's gonna fucking drag this corpse around and try and hide that in addition to herself. Um, I I know I, I thought it I thought that worked well. I didn't really have too much of a problem with it. I guess. Yeah, and I mean to be fair, like we say, I mean she she does end up like freeing herself. Like she's not chained to the guy for the whole movie. Like let, let's mm-hmm. put it that way. That is not the full conceit of it. Because, you know, as we said, some some hired guns end up coming in to complicate this for her. But early on, I was very like, I was just like, who came up with this? <laughs> like, who is like, oh, this would be an interesting concept. Let's let's have a jealous husband chain himself to his wife and then shoot himself and leave her stranded in the cabin in the middle of. No- it's just such a specific and very fucked up premise. Whoever and came it up seems with like this. a very specific and on the nose metaphor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah. Dragging, <laughs> like, what, dragging yeah. his dead weight around <laughs> the old ball and chain, <laughs> yeah. which they, they literally referenced that at one point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. yeah. No, I think I felt frustrated at times. Cause I mean, I think the one, the the one reason why I really like ended up rooting not not that I'm I'm heartless but I root, ended up rooting for her character because I, I appreciated how determined she was to get out of the situation and how like she put herself through hell like dragging this body around like downstairs upstairs through the snow 
you know, all of this to just, just survive. Her will to survive was really compelling for me. Even if I was like, oh, I don't think you're always making the smartest decisions, but also she's under duress. So is it realistic for her to always make the smartest, most logical decisions in the moment? Yeah. I mean, in general, I thought she did make pretty smart decisions. And that was, that was another area where it kind of compared well to Hush for me because they're both movies where you have a pretty smart character making pretty smart decisions. And I like to see that in a movie like this, you know, again, it's the, 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 uh, kind of stereotypical thing with a horror movie is, oh God, don't do that. Why'd you do that? Don't go up there. Don't go outside. Don't go inside. Don't whatever. Um, but I like a movie where the character is ingenious and maybe even a step ahead of you as the audience member. And for me, at least that, that was the case in this and hush. Yeah. It's just like the whole, you know, early on she could have found an easier way to free herself from him. Sure, and I think there yeah. were some moments of like self defense, that I was like, there is an obvious way to like, in my brain, as like the detached audience member who is mm-hmm. like, if I were in this situation, I know exactly what to do. <laughs> but, you know, there are some moments where I'm like, Ugh, you could have you could have like ended this right now in this moment if you had just done this, you know, mm. but. Yeah, I would I would agree with with Patrick that I, for the, that she was smart and I liked watching her kind of think through things and solve things and really it's it's a fine movie if you just pretend she that the man has an indestructible metal arm and <laughs> it's not actually a human body. <laughs> I did like, I thought it was interesting early on, you know, we talk about the over-sexualization of Megan Fox by Michael Bay, and I liked that, you know, you, you've got her in slinky dresses for the first, whatever, 20 minutes, and even, like, literally her husband making her wear the slinky dress of, of his choice for their anniversary, and he leaves her the, the morning that this all happens with only... Uh, her wedding dress like she goes to the closet and her wedding dress is the only thing there and I was like oh wow are we really going to like watch her like go through all this shit in a wedding dress fuck no she throws him on the wedding dress so that he's easier to drag around and like she rips up the edge of the wedding dress to like make makeshift shoes and she just wears like his shirt and blood-stained shirt and pants for the entire movie after that and I was like okay that's I mean if you're looking to rebrand Megan Fox, you know, having her in the slinky dresses for the first, you know, 20 minutes. And then, nope, she's just in a very oversized shirt and pants for the rest of the movie is, you know, I I appreciated that as a way to go about that. But she's still Megan Fox. Like, she still looks, like, improbably stunning, given the predicament that she's in. She's perfectly made up and everything (laughs) the entire time. Her hair is flawless. Like, and she cannot act. I'm just going to say it. I am I am not Team Megan Fox here, guys. I mostly agree. I Yeah. She's got her moments, moments but, but like, like oh, anytime she opens her mouth it just sounds so disingenuous. Yeah, I, when she I agree. wasn't speaking, I thought she had like a commanding like physical performance yeah. with like her desperation and her like mm-hmm. will to survive, her strength. All of that was like her physical performance I thought was actually really compelling, but yeah, Which makes sense spoke. because she's been in a lot of action movies. She's been in Michael Bay movies and like she understands how to play the physicality of someone under this much stress. And she does that very, very well. But yeah, anytime there was like exposition or anything coming out of her mouth, I just thought it was a little bit ridiculous. Her delivery is just so flat and affectless and it's yeah, it's it's just really hard for me to get 
around that. And especially because, you know, as Allison was saying, uh, she does give a, a pretty strong performance for, for me where it really clicked was after the shit goes down at the house, after the husband kills himself. And she was a lot more compelling to me. The performance was a lot more compelling to me after that, but it was hard because the first, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes of the movie are just, you know, kind of the interpersonal stuff with her and, you know, her, her side dude. And it's just like, what, what is this character? There's, there just was really nothing there. And so I didn't feel like I already had an established knowledge of that character by the time we get down to the survival story in the, the cabin. So it was, it was tough to kind of reconcile the two halves. Hey, let me blow your mind. Maybe the performance is so flat and dull and affectless because that's what her life is at that point in the story. I considered that. And, but there's something missing though. If, if I was going to accept that read, because I also wondered if maybe she's been through something like this before, not like this particular scenario, but like, she seems very resourceful and kind of unflappable as if like, you know, maybe she's been dealt with some fucked up shit with her shitty husband and like has had to like, he's gotten too drunk and has tried to like tired of the bed and she's had to wriggle her way out and, you know, find a hotel somewhere to, to be safe for the night. I don't know. Like I, I would, I would, I'm not saying I would appreciate if this character had endured more trauma before the events of this movie, <laughs> but it would have at least been like an interesting backstory to make me want to root for her more. I, I, I mean, she does have that trauma um, and her, her background with being attacked when um, with the, the, the person that her husband had, um, oh, that's true. Yeah, that's yeah. So, that that's just none of that. That subplot didn't do anything for me. I mean, the the circumstances are so vague. It's like, well, I guess she just was randomly stabbed by a maniac, and then <laughs> the fell in man. love, and then and then what? <laughs> fell in love with the DA who was prosecuting the case, and they got married, and then the DA switched sides and is now defending the guy. <laughs> like. None it's real weird. Well, <laughs> real and, weird. And, I mean, also, like, I, I mean, sure, okay, you can make the argument that that per, that, that part of the performance is flat and affect, affectless because of what the character is going through. But also, if you've seen literally any other Megan Fox movie, you know that's just the Megan Fox brand. That's just what that's just what she does, and her level of talent. You know, that's it. Mm. I want to root for her, but, you know, maybe we shouldn't. Did you ever see that movie she was in with Lindsay Lohan back in the day where they played rivals at high school? Did no, not. it sounds great. Peak yeah. Megan Fox. That <laughs> sounds like my cup of tea. I wish I could remember the name of it. <laughs> I have to say, this is a good point for me to admit that I still haven't seen Jennifer's body. I mean, I was someone mm. who heard the bad press about it. I do remember it being maligned and I'm so curious now because it is so much a part of the conversation about like the last couple of decades of horror and like the resurgence of like a more, um, I don't know, like a more nuanced and playful kind of horror that's tackling, you know, modern themes. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, and I feel like a little bit like the odd man out for not having gotten around to it after all this time. It's, How is she in that? Like, what's her? What is her performance like in that movie? What is she giving us? It's to me, it's the same yeah. shit. It's pretty. Yeah, it's it's just listless. And I don't know that she is listless herself. I don't know that she's necessarily disengaged from the work at hand. 
I just, I don't think she has a lot of screen presence personally, you know? I mean, I think she was unfortunately hired for her looks because that's what Michael Bay was going for. And I just don't yeah. think there's a lot else there. But, and, and, and Jennifer's body as a side note, I like, but I also feel like its importance has kind of become a little overstated. I, I think the initial reaction to it was unnecessarily cruel. And I think the cult status and the importance that it's been assigned in kind of the, the horror conversation over the last few years is a little over uh, overcooked now. But says a says opinion. a says a white man. <laughs> uh, I'm curious. To, I'm curious if I check it. It's Karen Kasama, right? I mean, I love her. Yeah. She can almost do no wrong, except for that. Except for Nicole Kidman's weird wig in Destroyer. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Oh no, I haven't actually. I was curious about that though. Anyway, I took us way off the rails. Where were we? Let's talk about the you know kind of what what Chris mentioned about the way this all gets complicated in ways we don't really expect you know at first you think you may just be in a survival situation which with her trying to figure out what to do with this guy chained to her but pretty soon i, I want to say maybe halfway through the movie other people begin to show up and first her side dude shows up and does not last long no no that was unfortunate <laughs> yeah you think that maybe they're going to get to call the police or something he's going to get her out of there but then her attacker from, you know, a couple years ago shows up with his brother and we, you know, descend into adult home alone antics, essentially. Just really disappointing to me. I just really liked how subtle the concept was and the circumstances were. And it's like, there's no, no one's coming to kill her in the original premise of this movie, except for like, she's going to die of exposure or start. Yeah. I wanted like the revenant, this guy. <laughs> I wanted the revenant except being chained to a dead body. Yeah. Um, so it's just like, just like the, the, un, the way the threat was so understated through the first half of this movie really intrigued me. And I thought it was really unique. Um, and then for it to devolve into adult home alone, that's just, I just don't like it. And it wasn't even good adult home alone. It was some bullshit. I, you know, I liked it actually. I did say the word descend, but that was a poor choice of words. Cause I actually didn't have a problem with this turn of events. And, and, and frankly, I mean like how long can you actually stretch out the premise of being chained to this guy? Like, I, I mean, well, Gerald's game does it, but that's coming from like a very rich source text. And yeah. the character has a very deep internal life that we get yes. to explore. Um, yes. Misery. Misery does it, you know? But there's another character there. In sure, movie. there's another character. She's not but alone. So I, yeah, but she's not home most of the time. <laughs> it's her leaving and coming back that causes much of the tension in that movie. That's true. That's true. Uh, to be right. fair, if if the the movie had just been her being chained to her dead husband, it wouldn't have been the movie that they intended to make. I hope somebody makes that movie at some point. Um, but you know, they set up all of this stuff at the beginning for it to all kind of like come back around and add to her horror that she's experiencing i you know i feel like i'm almost gonna review it by saying this but i thought let's the just first review it you let's know review it there. yeah we've okay already, we've already damn spoiled half the movie so <laughs> yeah and then in the spoiler room i'll i'll, I'll dish out my complaints um yeah. we'll review we'll review adult home alone in the spoiler room well i'm just gonna go first i guess i i would give this a cue it i i found that once this thing got going 
I was pretty easily able to suspend my disbelief and get over my minor gripes with the premise, and I I had fun with it. You know, it made me writhe in my seat a little bit. It made me a little jumpy. Um, I, all in all, I think it's a pretty slight endeavor, um, and certainly not one of the best like home invasion movies I've, I've seen. I would say watch Hush if you haven't. If you like Hush, maybe throw this in your queue. Chris? I'm going to say cue it. Um, I really liked the first half of the movie. The second half of the movie I liked a lot less, but it was still competent and fun, if, like you said, a bit slight. Um, you could certainly do better in this sort of movie, like you said, but, you know, it, it, was, it was fun enough. I, I did not get bored watching this movie for the most part. It was just there were a lot of moments that kind of took me out of the movie and made me say, eh, this is, this is a frustrating experience. Uh, I wish they had done that differently, solved that problem differently, um, especially at the end. But, um, yeah, so cue it. You know, you could do better. You could do worse. I, I don't regret watching it. Probably won't watch it again. Patrick. Um, I'll give it a cue it to, I, uh, you know, complained about Megan Fox's performance in the early stretch, but I mean, when this gets going for the majority of the movie, I found her, you know, surprisingly compelling, kind of like Allison said, there's, there's a lot of physical performance that works well. And there's just something about her line delivery specifically. That is the, the part that doesn't connect. But for the most part, I thought it worked pretty well. Honestly, if I have a complaint, it's just this movie is fucking bleak. Like, fuck, just unpleasant like grueling i mean I, and i guess that's horror you know obviously like we're not here to watch feel-good movies but uh god it is just a grim unpleasant movie so you know i, I guess if, you, if you're down for that then maybe it's even a view it but um just was a bit of an unpleasant watch for me allison uh, you know what? I'm going to be right in line with everybody else. I feel like this is a cue it for me. Um, it's not normally kind of like the genre of horror that I like or uh, enjoy that much. I really don't like horror about people doing horrible things to other people. It feels too real. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. not what I want out of my horror. But for like a kind of a subgenre of horror that I I have a hard time with, I think for the most part I enjoyed a lot of things about this movie. I mean, enjoy is a relative term. <laughs> I wasn't like, ooh, this is a fun romp, but I thought it I thought it moved really well. It kept me very engaged. I think it brought in interesting character archetypes, and yeah, I mean, I I never I was never bored with it, so. That's that's about as good as it's going to get for me <laughs> with this. There's, there's just so many other movies you could watch and or watch again and have more fun with. You know, Misery, Gerald's Game, the entire Hush. Saw franchise. Hush, for sure. Um, and and even uh, even Hush. Oh, I guess I gave a view it to Hush, but yeah, like like. Uh. Well, I, I mean, you know, and I guess that's an interesting comparison because. I guess I feel almost a little silly or churlish for bringing up that this is just an unpleasant movie and it's just almost unnecessarily grim. But I mean, Hush is kind of a good example of you feel like you feel some redemption and some growth for that character at the end of that movie. You know, you feel like she's going to continue to heal and become a stronger person from all this. And at the end of this movie, I mean, I guess spoilers, but like, it's just grim. It's like, okay, she survived all this and like, for what? 
you know yeah like what does she have to look forward to in her life now it's just it just feels very bleak and you have no sense of what's next for her at the end of this movie right because frankly she seems like a miserable person even apart from her relationship with her husband like when you we see her at the beginning with her lover it's not like she's having a good time she's like yeah I and now he's dead. Yeah, side piece is gone. Like, like oh, how dead. is she ever going to recover gone. from this trauma? How is she going to find another man who's interested in her? <laughs> <laughs> and she's been even more traumatized by the the man who traumatized her in the first place. The guy, yeah. who, the guy who stabbed her. And it's just like, oh fuck, man! Like, god damn it! It's a hard doc life for women, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this, this movie is, does feel like we'll is, get into it. it feels a little misogynist to me in some ways um, this is the feminist horror masterpiece that we need it's the this is this is the jennifer's this is what everybody wants out of jennifer's body all right well i guess that's uh that's that so we're, it's time to head down to the spoiler room and spoil everything about till death but hey before run, we run that, out to the know? spoiler boathouse <laughs> The spoiler boat. We're going to crack a hole in the ice and go down <laughs> into the spoiler lake. <laughs> um, so, uh, before, before we do that, we'd like to remind you, you know, to find us online. We're on uh, Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter at Amoncast, E H M O N Cast. Uh, we also have a website, EveryHorrorMovieOnNetflix.com, where you can see how we've reviewed every movie that we've reviewed. You can go to our merch store and find a t shirt or a coffee mug with some art on it that lets your coworkers know that you listen to every horror movie on netflix <laughs> and as always we like to hear uh what you have to say about the movies so please send us a comment send us an email and let us know your side of the story we like to hear from our fans and if you don't mind of course you can go on your podcast provider of choice and give us a review give us a rating uh it helps other people find the show uh but with that said it's time now to head on to the spoiler boathouse lake what have you and we are going to spoil everything about till death in just a few seconds Welcome back. We are ready to spoil everything about Till Death. And, I mean, what are the spoilers? We already told you. Uh, who lives, who dies, who shows up halfway through the movie. <laughs> well, the tricky thing about this movie is it really does take about 45 minutes for, like, the ins- the real inciting incident to happen, I think. Or maybe a half hour or so. It takes a while. It feels like a soap opera to me for quite a bit. Even though we don't really learn all that much about these characters in our lives. Um, you mean him shooting himself? Yeah. Yeah, it takes a yeah. while for that to happen. It's like a half hour. But yeah, we get... I had known nothing about the plot of this movie before it started. And so like in my head, I'm like trying to figure out all the different ways that this movie is going to go. Right? And I did not see that coming at all. <laughs> You want to know something wild? I texted this to Patrick last night, but I thought this was going to be a vampire movie. Now, hear me out. It's because Megan Fox was in a movie almost at the exact time that this came out called With Teeth, similar, like, two-word title, and I heard a review of both of these movies on a podcast, and in that one, she's in it, but, like, and, like, in all the marketing, but she's, like, not really in it she's in it for like two minutes or something but they were like hey we have megan fox in this movie and they were both dropped on netflix i think so and i didn't read the plot synopsis for this so i thought oh this is that 
stupid vampire movie I heard about, and Megan Fox is going to disappear after five minutes. And then that didn't happen, but it still wasn't that interesting. So I had no idea what I was in for. I did not expect the husband to blow his head off. Yeah, I I think you you were confused because of um, uh, Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox drinking each other's blood. (laughs) What? Yeah, what does that mean? they drink each other's blood. They That's got married and drink each other's blood. They're oh in love. God. I didn't know she was married it's... to Machine Gun Kelly. Uh, oh. Actually, they're engaged. They're engaged, okay. but they drink each other's blood to to seal the uh, the engagement. Oh wow! Yeah, huh. it's pretty hot. Anyway, it is. That was my wild trip with the first forty five minutes of this movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but like we're we're presumably here to discuss Adult Home Alone, which I mean, you know, it's interesting because like you could describe the premise as her being chained to the husband, but also the bulk of the action, I want to say, almost takes place once she's separated from the husband, and a lot mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the yeah. a lot of the action is just her trying to evade these two thugs you know like mm-hmm. that the cat and mouse is almost the movie more so than it's the movie about her being chained to her dead husband and they have arrived through the most contrived of all scenarios mm-hmm. in which i guess the husband through because i guess he's involved in the in the case of the the guy who stabbed uh megan Fi- i almost said megan kelly i was thinking of machine gun kelly <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she, she will be soon. <laughs> if she so chooses. <laughs> Ms. Machine Gun. So, so, the, so the husband, who, who I guess is involved in the stabber's case, has gotten the stabber to come out. First, he gave Megyn Kelly a... Nah, God damn it, Megan Fox. <laughs> <laughs> First, he gave Megan Fox a necklace for the anniversary, which mm-hmm. doesn't come off, and apparently has. Well, actually, that's the actually that's the ultimate spoiler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we're here. We're in the the boathouse. You can he's say called. It. He's called these guys to the house to go into a vault. He's like, um, if you you're going to have to torture Megan Fox to get the combination from her. I don't what the, what the fuck is the plan? He tells them, he tells them there are diamonds in a safe and go to the house and wait, do they know she's going to be there? I don't think they know she's going to be there. I think they do. I think he he has every intention because they know that the side piece was going to be there because they were told to tie him up. Oh, okay. Yeah. And torture him. But here's the thing, because they're there mostly to get But they don't know he's going to be dead, right? There's some piece of information they don't have. No, they don't. Yeah, okay, yeah. They don't know the bodies. his body's going to be there. Okay. But then what's the deal with the safe if she has the diamonds around her neck? Is he trying to fuck them over, too? That's a surprise. That's a surprise. surprise. The surprise is that the the, the steel necklace has diamonds inside it. And it can only be it can't be removed. You got to cut her head off to get the necklace off. So they're doing all this work to get into the safe. They get into the safe and then there's a giant knife that says the diamonds are around her neck. Yes. Basically. But what's the plan? They're there to get diamonds and it becomes like, oh, we're going to kill Megan Fox to get these diamonds. But like, why would she just give them the safe combination why do they have to torture why do they have to do whatever like she doesn't give a fuck about what's in the safe she doesn't even know what's in the safe i mean presumably because 
the the one dude fucking i forget their names already jimmy and bobby right i think it's jimmy and bobby i forget which yeah. is which is which it's cletus think, and bucket <laughs> <laughs> i think bobby is her her attacker her yeah. former attacker you know he's just out for revenge he wants to fucking kill her anyways yeah because he I claims well, that wait, she... question i forget the question what the fuck is going on is my question uh, so, <laughs> but, you're, but you're right you're right because i mean all right so so they arrive they're expecting to see the husband at least alive maybe yeah. megan fox maybe not megan fox and they're expecting to what they're what was the original premise for them showing up yeah do they think he's just going to like open the safe for them no, I think that they like the plan was for her to like be there for them to like torture or for 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 uh, Bobby to torture specifically the attacker because mm. um, yeah. he keeps his the, the other person's his little brother and he keeps his little brother in the dark about what's really going on. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, but it's like, the plan like he, come out here, torture my wife. Are they even married? I mean, we don't even. OK, so the, the yeah, we don't know. It so is never questions. made clear what they were told other than she's going to be there. They have to do something with her to get the safe combination so they can get the diamonds. They were supposed to make her life miserable for revenge. Get the diamonds. Go. Yeah, Bobby wants revenge, but he also wants diamonds. And so, like, the first half of the encounter, he's like, oh, we got to kill this woman because she put me away for 10 years just because I stabbed her. <laughs> and then and then it becomes, wait, no, we got to get the diamonds above all else because we lost our house and our dad is sick. And all this weird shit. It's so contrived. <laughs> He blames her. He's like, you know, it's her fault. She put me away for 10 years. Like, dude, you stabbed her, man. Like, that was your choice. Yeah, that was your B. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the setup for it happening is contrived, but I did enjoy kind of what it facilitated as far as the cat and mouse. Sure. I mean, goddamn, she runs all over this fucking property. You would think one person in a house would be pretty easy to find. And and it is a little contrived at times. It's like, okay, you could not possibly have moved so quietly through this room right. that you couldn't have dragged a body saw you. through yeah. it without somebody hearing you. Or like at one point she's dragging the body along and she's in the snow outside. One of them comes outside and she just flops down in the snow and the snow is deep enough that she can lay down in it. And I really like that, actually. That I, like I liked it, too. <laughs> it's not necessary. It doesn't actually make that much sense, but, you know, I enjoy oh, yeah. the, the many little outs that she found to sneak around them it was that was fun yeah it was fun and i had zero problems suspending my disbelief i just accepted this goofy premise and it worked for me gave me thrills and chills Mm -hmm. i wanted her i wanted her to beat somebody up with the boat anchor she goes out to the boathouse she finds the boat anchor she hacks her the husband's thumb off with the boat anchor and that's how she gets unattached from him at least the first time um and i was like when the when the two when jimmy and bobby were coming out to the boathouse i was just like oh i just want her to wind up and just fucking deck a motherfucker with this boat anchor not a fan of restorative justice huh Patrick? <laughs> 
I mean, I'm about as like pacifist as it can come a lot of the times, but there were so many points where I am like, all of your problems would be resolved if you just beat Bobby's face in with this heavy object that you like, you hit him with right now. Just end it right now. Beat his face in. He's dead or or very close to it. And then you can get out of here. Well, and Bobby is painted as an extremely one one dimensional, very hateable villain yeah like, this guy is just a he's just a bad dude as joe biden would say yeah. you random don't have stabber. any empathy for his situation really yeah. random stabber is not a compelling villain to me no well and then like, like just came up stole her camera and and stabbed her on top of it he just likes doing stuff like that yeah he's and then, like towards the guy. end yeah he <laughs> accidentally kills his brother in a scuffle that they're having because his brother doesn't want to kill megan fox he didn't know all of the things that were supposed to happen his brother is fairly empathetic we like jimmy we stand yeah jimmy, i like jimmy um he had a lot of empathy and but anyways bobby accidentally kills him and then blames it on megan fox I'm like dude <laughs> own up to your actions jimmy is just in over his head and trying to do the right thing and and actually even like gets on megan's side at the end there's some uh there's some good golf club foo oh yeah mm-hmm. i enjoyed that yeah that's when uh that's when we kind of start to turn the tables on him but this all ends up i mean i don't even know how this ends so basically he he can't get the diamonds because they're around her neck and he wants to saw her head off but she escaped oh she handcuffs uh bobby random stab man yeah to her dead husband mm-hmm. and then they end out up on the out in the frozen lake and we know someone's going to fall through the ice because mm-hmm. it's on the movie poster. Mm-hmm. A chase ensues. Bobby basically shatters the ice with his knife. Mm-hmm. Which, all right, listen. The physics of the ice in this movie are not solid. Oh, they're bullshit. <laughs> and I grew, up, I grew up on the lake. I did a lot of ice fishing as a kid. I still like to go out and walk around on the ice. And... Yeah, it just doesn't work like that. Yeah, how do you cut a hole in ice to go ice fishing? You typically use an auger. You know, gi- yeah. basically a gigantic screw, and you drill down into the ice. You Wait, cannot do it with a knife. <laughs> you cannot do it with a knife. No, well, okay, you could <laughs> if the ice was thin enough that it would break with you standing on top. Yeah, that right. ice right. wasn't very thick, first and foremost, so they shouldn't have even been able to like walk as far as they did exactly on that ice. So mm-hmm. this is another thing, and I don't want to be Neil deGrasse Tyson about this movie. I don't want to be like, <laughs> well, you know, ice You don't want to get too handsy or- with this movie? Right or oh yeah um, or or um, speaking of hands, I don't want to be like oh you know you could break the guy's arm whatever. But it's like again we're talking about a simple premise and simple problems, and so I feel like the more simple the situation is, the more you have to be responsible for like the details making sense. This yeah. isn't fucking Avengers Infinity War where if someone <laughs> breaks ice with a fucking knife, I'm gonna say well actually he couldn't have done that. Like it's 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 very simple premise, very simple problem. So let's let's keep it in the real world. Let's keep it grounded. Yeah. I mean, we wind up with a hole in the ice and Bobby drags Emma, 
who I think this is the first time we've actually said the character's name instead of just Megan Fox. Megan drags Kelly. Megan Kelly drags, drags Megan Machine Gun down with him. And yeah, I mean, sort of a rather tense moment where they're struggling underwater. She finally stabs him in the eye. I felt there was a missed opportunity for her to stab him in the stomach the way he stabbed her, which we see in close up in flashback multiple times before that. But, you know, fine. An an eye is a perfectly satisfying place to stab this guy finally. And then also very tense moment of her climbing to the surface and trying to break through the fucking ice again with the knife. Uh, a moment, a beat so long where you just see the unbroken, frozen surface of the lake um, from from above, and it's held so long that Allison was like, wow, is this really ending right now? And I was like, nah, she's coming through. She's coming through. And sure enough, she breaks through the ice with the knife. And, and the ice just like explodes a perfect size hole for her to come out of, too. <laughs> just with like a couple stabs of the knife. Kind of but but again, it's like, if you're in that situation in real life, you fucking die. Yeah. So, so don't yeah. take me through this like fairly grounded series of events with this character. And invite me to think about all the ways that she could be getting out of it. Uh, and then just have her survive basically by deus ex machina. Mm. Or it's like, oh, I'm just going to shoot. I'm just going to break the ice from underneath with a knife and shoot through it like fucking Shamu. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I did not think about that, actually. I did. Th- okay, here's what I did think about. Here's where I questioned the the veracity of all this a little bit was. I was like, okay, so if, if the ice is thin enough to break through, it seems like you know, putting weight on it enough to climb back out of the water would just break the ice more and you wouldn't be able to get back out of the lake. But, you know, fucking whatever. I wondered about that too, or worried about that. But it's hilarious that, like, we have talked about this brief scene (laughs) for at least twice as long as it actually occurs in the movie. (laughs) We might as well be doing a commentary track. Well, in a... And, like, I get it. It's more, like, dramatic if you end it with her just, like, laying there on the ice. And you're like, is she even going to survive? But, like, I was like, she has been fairly savvy up until this point. She should know she needs to, like, take off all of her clothes and, like, basically move as, like, much as she can to, like, avoid hypothermia. She clearly did not watch Bear Grylls back in the day. (laughs) (laughs) Should I see that episode where he jumped into the freezing cold lake and then showed you how to survive it? No. I but this is like our, our second survival tips uh, segment in two episodes. So I think this may need to be a recurring feature on Amon now. Chris explained to us how to break a chokehold last time. And now we're learning how to survive uh, being in, in freezing water. So maybe we just need to start a survivalist podcast. <laughs> Let's do that. I mean, if, if we, we keep, keep doing, doing home invasion, invasion thrillers, then I think it would be perfect. <laughs> our work is cut out for us. Yeah. No, I would say there's not really a question about if she's going to survive at the end, though, because you can hear the police sirens coming. Yeah, the police sirens at the end of the movie, universal symbol for don't worry, everything's going to be okay when we survive. <laughs> well, everything's okay in the sense that she survived, but then what? You know, like, right. what what does her life look like going forward? Like, I don't know what I want for her except to, like, I don't know, learn to to be happy alone and not deal with toxic men for a while, I suppose. Yes, because but... we don't have a sense of what this character her interests or her goals or anything about her life other than getting away from her husband, which, you know, that's, that's set now, I guess. And processing her trauma. I mean, she likes to take photos. We know she's a photographer. So like, hopefully she has a promising photography career after this, but I guess that's, you know, as much as 
her performance in the early going of the movie didn't give me a lot to go on. The script also doesn't, you know, you don't have a sense of like, what does this character have to look forward to or, or move on to after this ordeal is over, you know, as compared to hush again, where, you know, you, you know, some of the things that this woman has been struggling with as far as like her isolation and her sense of independence and trying to get her next book finished. And you have a sense of her moving through some of those things as a result of the horrifying events that happened to her in the movie. In this, it's just like this woman has been this already traumatized woman has been traumatized so much fucking more. And now are we even supposed to be like, there's almost even a question of like, should we even be happy that she made it through this? You know? Right. I think, I think about that a lot in films where like people go through so much trauma. It's like, you almost don't want to see them have to like suffer through processing and living with all of that. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it seems cruel to put them through that. And, and they don't in this movie, they don't show what she has to look forward to or to live for. Like, what are her motivations for surviving all of this and going through hell? Like what's at the end of that other than just sheer survival. And I mean, in a lot of hopeless seeming situations, the thing that gets people through and like that people often cite like real life instances is that I had this that I needed to survive for. I had these people I love that I needed to survive for and they don't show anything like that for her. So I wish they had given us something like that. It would have made sense why she fought so hard and went through so much. Well, what you're saying is make her a, like make her something more than a one dimensional character. Just give yeah. me something. I don't know. And right. it's so similar to, like, I had this debate going on in my head while watching it, like, is this, like, maybe technically, like, a, a rape-revenge-style thriller? But it's not. And part of it is that, like, she doesn't even get the satisfaction of getting revenge for the things that have happened to her. I mean, her husband, shitty husband, kills himself right in front of her, so she doesn't get the satisfaction of... of um of of uh, like offing him for survival she does end up you know killing the guy who stabbed her but you know that was also in like a moment where she could easily have died herself as she's being dragged down by him so there's not even really much of a catharsis in seeing her survive all this like i think i, I like it would almost be better if she just drowned with with the other two bodies like what does she have left going for her well, and it's puzzling, too, because, you know, I think it's one of these examples of, you know, I think a well-intentioned feminist movie. But as far as I know, it's written by a guy, which doesn't mean that it can't still be a, a compelling movie with a compelling feminist viewpoint. I mean, Hush, again. And I think Siegel co-wrote that with Flanagan. So, yeah. obviously, they, they did that together. But, you know, the funny thing I'm thinking about is almost every other character in this movie is more fleshed out than her. Like, I felt like I knew more about the side dude, the husband, and even Jimmy and Bobby than yeah. I did about Emma. Yeah. Which is wild. It's pretty wild. So, well, Patrick, it'd be nice if you picked a movie that had more well-drawn characters in it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, for I our think next episode. I think it's about time to uh, put Till Death to rest. So, um, next episode, we are going to watch a film by one of mine and Chris's favorite directors, actually. Uh, we're going to watch Hollow Man from Paul yeah. Verhoeven, a film which I actually have never seen, but have heard a lot about for a long time. So, I'm excited Ooh, man, to check I got, it out. got a story about that movie. Can't wait to tell it on the next step. Ooh, curious to hear it. Yeah, that, that actually happened to my friend. 
<laughs> he became the hollow man yeah he became hollow man uh-oh yeah wow you know it's funny i love paul verhoven i haven't seen benedetta yet is that how you say it um, oh yeah i really want to see that but um i have been thinking of going back and kind of revisiting his filmography and catching up on like the early dutch stuff he did mm. um, before he came to america so that should be a, a hoot should yes. be a great time can't wait also, and I'm a big fan of the the Invisible Man mythology. Invi- the original Invisible Man, well, the Universal Monsters Invisible Man is one of my favorite. You mean Universal Ralph Monsters? <laughs> no, <laughs> um, the the Universal Monsters version of Invisible Man is one of my favorite Universal Monsters movies. So excited to see something that, as far as I know, plays with the Invisible Man mythology as well. So that's next time on Amon. All right. Well. It's been fun. It's been real. We'll see you in two weeks to talk about Hollow Man. And that was Till Death. So for every horror movie on Netflix, I'm Chris. I'm Patrick. I'm Steven. I'm Allison with a Y. See you next time. Bye-bye.